0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. We do proclaim this Easter gospel today and will continue to do so. And indeed, beloved, we are experiencing resurrection joy uh, this Eastertide, uh, blowing the vuvuzela last Sunday and singing about it this Sunday. Uh, yes, we are having a lovely time. But I also want to acknowledge that for many of us, like Doubting Thomas, all is not flowers and sweet smells and joy. We're surrounded every day with reminders that the full promise of the resurrection has not yet been realized. Of course, we see this in the news ongoing war in Ukraine, there are cruel laws being passed here in the United States, more and more seemingly fascist rhetoric coming from politicians. But we don't have to look at the news to know that not all is well. Uh, We can look at our own lives. We feel this, don't we, Um, in our own lives. We all know the pain of some kind of estranged relationships, perhaps, sometimes maybe even oppressive or abusive relationships with friends or spouses or children or parents or bosses. Sickness and death continue to lurk. Relatives and neighbors die suddenly and tragically, leaving behind spouses, children, loved ones. And many of us struggle under the weight of unanswered prayer and a sense of God's absence that perhaps has gone on for years. Circumstances like this make it difficult sometimes to trust the alleluias of Easter or make us feel like we have to hide our pain and our suffering from others because we don't want to be a downer. This is the tension we live in especially on this Sunday after Easter. Some days we see resurrection everywhere. Other days all we can see is brokenness. Can you relate to this? What are you bringing with you today? Is it joy? Is it gratitude? Is it thankfulness? That's okay. Hold on to that. Is it pain? Is it suffering? Is it unanswered prayer? Is it questions and doubts and fears? That's okay too. You can hold on to that. You can be present to that as we proclaim good news today. Because against the pretensions of the powers that claim to control the levers of history, sin, sickness, supremacies of all kinds, we proclaim the Easter gospel today. Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, has triumphed over death and all the brokenness that we see and is right now Lord of heaven and earth. His kingdom of liberating love is at hand right here, right now in the midst of our suffering. He is speaking and He is working among us, empowering us to participate in and proclaim this new life, freedom, forgiveness, flourishing for all. During Eastertide this year, uh, our lectionary, um, we're, we're back onto the lectionary texts uh, here during Eastertide, and our lectionary has us going through, uh, kind of dipping into uh, Revelation, John's Revelation, which uh, Monty read for us uh, earlier. Um, <clears throat> Revelation is the last book in our Bibles, and we're going to be focusing our sermons during Eastertide on the text from Revelation, uh, which, as I mentioned earlier, Eastertide is the 50 days of celebration of resurrection that lasts all the way from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday, which is June 5th this year, so we still have plenty of Sundays to go. <laughs> Got to get up to seven Sundays before we're done with this celebration. Uh, the book of Revelation, uh, we don't have time to teach on it, it would be very fascinating to do so, uh, I would love to do so at some point, but we, we, we don't have time to teach on it, we can just proclaim this uh, to clear up some misunderstandings. The book of Revelation is an apocalypse and a prophecy, but that does not mean it's a prediction of future events. It's not like that uh, sports almanac from Back to the Future. You guys remember that? It was like it was really valuable because he, this guy could make bets on whatever team was going to win the World Series. And he knew it every time, right? So sometimes we tr- Christians treat revelation like this. It's like, well, what's going to happen? What is the exact order of events? And how can we save up enough rice and beans to make sure that we… <sighs> like, you are free to be done with all of that, okay? If you're not already, all right? All that left-behind stuff, that's nonsense, okay? You are completely free to leave it behind. That joke wasn't even in my notes. That just came out, just, that just happened, that was unintentional, so, all right, all right. So the Apostle John is not a fortune teller, that's not what this book is about. Prophecy, when I say Revelation is a prophecy, what I mean is that prophecy is about God's word spoken. To us, personally, right here and right now, God is speaking. That's prophecy. It's not a prediction of future events. It just means God is talking, and we can listen. So we hear what God is saying to us when prophecy is issued forth. And apocalypse, what I mean by that is not some terrible thing that's going to happen at the end of time, but apocalypse just means revealing. That's the revealing of what's really going on perhaps in a hidden way or under the surface of events. So in an apocalypse, we see what God is doing among us, and in prophecy, we hear what God is saying to us. So Revelation is a poetic letter written by a pastor caring for churches in Asia Minor who were struggling to hear what God was saying and to see what God was doing in the midst of trials, persecutions. And the temptations of everyday life in the empire, they were struggling, and they needed to hear what God was saying to them, and they needed to see what God was doing among them. And so it is with us today. Revelation reveals to us the risen, living, ascended, ruling, and reigning Christ speaking and working among us right here and now in the midst of our own trials and temptations. John's audience, the people he was writing to, these seven churches in Asia Minor, they were intimately familiar with the unfinished aspects of Christ's resurrection and Christ's victory over death. They were under the rule of Rome who sought to control Asia Minor through political and economic and military means and also through dominating the the way that uh, religion was practiced and the imagery that was used for religion. And what their goal was was to make it feel like Rome's rule was inevitable and divinely ordained. You can't even imagine anything other than Rome. That's the goal of the, uh, the, the domination of empire. And so it's much in the way that Mammon works as we thought, uh, thought through and, and uh, preached through during Lent. It's very similar. So in the midst of this weight under the domination of empire, these churches are seeking to live in the power of the resurrection, but they're small and they're harassed by the authorities and they're discouraged because evil often seemed to be the only power at work in the world. And so right here at the beginning of this letter that John is writing to these beleaguered communities, he proclaims a Trinitarian grace and peace to them from the one who is and who was and who is to come, God. And from the seven spirits that are before his throne, seven is the number of completion. And so this refers to the fullness of the presence of God's spirit. And then from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Right into their trials and tribulations, this is what's real, grace and peace to you from the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. I think each of those is important, each of those ways of referring to Jesus, and the order is probably important here as well. Thus, Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth, but He is the ruler of the kings of the earth only as the firstborn of the dead, which means He is the one who did not cling to life even in the face of death and thus has conquered death, and so He rules in a new way. And He's the firstborn of the dead, but He is the firstborn of the dead as the faithful witness, the one who told the truth about God and about the world and about who we are and who God is. And so Jesus is Lord. That's the proclamation here. But the good news is that he's not a Lord like Caesar. This is a different kind of king. This is a different kind of kingdom. His sovereignty is one of truth-telling, not deception. His sovereignty is one of cross-bearing, not exploitation and domination. And this is a challenge to our allegiance First and foremost, to proclaim that Jesus is Lord is to proclaim that every other power that pretends to control the levers of history is not Lord. And we do not trust them to deliver truth and beauty and goodness to us. We trust Jesus and His way and His kingdom to deliver truth and beauty and goodness to us. The revelation here to these churches is that despite the pretensions of rulers who gain and maintain empires through violent force, Jesus Christ, the crucified one, And the risen one is the true ruler of the kings of the earth, a different kind of king who has inaugurated a different kind of empire, gaining dominion not through violent force but through suffering, and maintains his rule not through uh, manipulation and violence but through forgiveness and mercy continually poured out. His kingdom of liberating love, beloved, is at hand, not just for those churches back then but for us. Here and now, today. He's speaking and working among us and empowering us to participate in and proclaim this new life freedom, forgiveness, flourishing for all. In the next verses, we see one more facet of how this resurrection kingdom operates. John breaks into doxology. And I love that we couldn't help ourselves and also did this, right? We almost interrupted Monty with, amen. Everybody's really excited about it. And Monty's like, well, the reading's not done yet. Hold on. It's God's spirit at work among us, I think. So John breaks into doxology, which just means he he, he breaks into praise. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priest's Serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And it's beautiful and lovely that Jesus loves us and freed us. We could do a whole sermon on that uh, just right there. Amen. But what I want to focus on is that he has made us to be a kingdom and priests, serving his God and Father. Priests, the work of a priest is to connect God and humanity from both ends. Connecting God and humanity. And this is the power that Jesus shares with us. Jesus shares his power with us and says, you are priests. You are priestly people. He makes us into a people who manifest God's liberating love in the world. A priestly people bearing witness to God's mercy. Unmasking illegitimate human authorities and connecting people to the radical hospitality of God. We don't just watch Jesus do stuff from the audience. We get to play in the game, having received the Holy Spirit to empower us. So as Jesus tells His frightened disciples in our Gospel reading, as the Father has sent me, so, in the same way, I send you. And like Thomas, even in our doubts, we are sent and trusted by Jesus to proclaim God's kingdom of liberating love. And like the apostles in the Acts reading that we read today, we confront the powers of this world with the loving, life-giving power. In other words, the resurrection appearances of Jesus are not finished. They are ongoing. Christ keeps appearing to us. Christ keeps coming to us. He keeps revealing Himself to us, offering mercy and forgiveness and empowering love. Everything has already been accomplished, and so Jesus has infinite patience with you in the midst of your weakness and your doubt and your slowness to trust infinite patience, He will just keep coming around with mercy, with forgiveness, with empowering love, until we finally forgive ourselves and allow ourselves to be loved and empowered by Him. Right into the places of our own sin and brokenness, beloved, we proclaim the Easter gospel today that Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, has triumphed over sin and death and is Lord of heaven and earth. His kingdom of liberating love is at hand right here Right now, he is working and speaking among us, empowering us to participate in and proclaim this new life, freedom, forgiveness, flourishing for all. The final word here is a word of hope for the future. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. So yes, we still suffer from oppression, from brokenness, from our own sin, but Jesus will come to consummate the kingdom inaugurated in the resurrection, to make all things new, to set everything right, to bring justice to the poor. We proclaim this uh, in our mystery of faith. Every time we take the Eucharist, we'll proclaim it in just a few moments. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again to finish the job. So it is to be, John says. Amen. And then The Lord God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, and so what's being proclaimed here is that God encompasses all. Nothing exists outside of God's vision. Nothing exceeds God's grasp. And in the end, God is going to gather everything up in Christ. The totality of our embodied human experience All our fear and pain and suffering and grief and regret and joy and consolation, all of it seen, felt, known, honored, and taken into the presence of God in the wounded flesh of Jesus and transformed there into communion with God and with each other. Nothing is wasted, nothing is discarded, all of it matters. All of it will be redeemed because Jesus took it into his body on the cross and in the resurrection takes it into God's presence. This is the victory over sin and death. And this is where we are headed with Christ. This is our future hope. So I invite you this Eastertide to get real about your suffering and brokenness. Don't feel like you have to hide this. Everybody's so happy. I don't want to talk about what I'm su- struggling with. Confess it in community and trust others to bear it with you and to proclaim the Easter gospel to you. And we can all bear this with one another until we see how the resurrected Christ is at work in our midst. Sometimes it's hard to see it right away. That's okay. We'll just keep bearing with one another. We'll keep listening. We'll keep moving together, trusting that Jesus is at work among us. So confess your fears, confess your doubts, your suffering, your pain, and confess the Easter gospel of Jesus' lordship and presence. There's an opportunity to do this right now. We pray after every sermon, prayers of the people. And uh, the, our first prayer is always a kind of a fill in the blank prayer. It's in your booklet, it'll be on the screens. If you've never prayed this before, maybe you've just thought, oh, I don't want to talk out loud in front of everybody. I just encourage you to think about maybe what it might be like to do so. When we're praying out loud in front of we're not showing off or anything like that. What we're doing is confessing where we're at in community. And what happens when that gets proclaimed out loud is we all get to bear that with you then. We all get to pray with you and for you. And so one way of saying yes to this good news is just to pray. Pray out whatever it might be that you're struggling with where you need to see the presence of Jesus at work. Because in the raising of Jesus, beloved God, is turning all our human crucifixions into resurrection. Against the pretensions of the powers that claim to control the levers of history, we proclaim the Easter gospel today. Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, is Lord of heaven and earth, and His kingdom of liberating love is at hand right here, right now. He is speaking and working among us, empowering us to participate in and proclaim this new life, freedom, forgiveness, and flourishing for all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.